I think what we created as an HR function by calling them soft skills is that we created a perception that they are less important or they're more fluffy or they are <laughs> more difficult to measure and therefore to improve, right? So I think what, what the last years have shown is that yes, indeed, um, the demand for the new tech digital skills is on the rise. And we cannot obviously uh, ignore that trend. As you said, a lot of ink has been spilled around um, the, um, uh, the, the arrival of uh, AI, automation, and how everybody needs to get up to, up to scratch in terms of digital skills. However, as you said, um, there's an increased importance of um, the power skills. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Probably with whoever leader in the HR space or business leader in general you talk to, the concept of learning and lifelong learning are on top of the table all the time. The skills are changing. The technical skills are changing so fast. And it seems and feels like very often we are sort of returning to the human skills like empathy, curiosity, creativity to remain relevant in the workplace going forward. So I am really excited to have a conversation with somebody who has been in the learning space for a long time, leading Vodafone's uh, learning function for thousands of employees worldwide. Catalina, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, Erika. Really excited to be on your show. I'm doing just fine. I was just sharing that London is sort of back to normal today and I'm <laughs> out and about uh, working remotely. So really, really glad to, to join you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited about this conversation. And let's, let's begin here. Uh, the, 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 la the shelf life of technical skills is shortening. And whatever you, whenever you read you know, the World Economic Forum, the Institute for the Future, the largest, you know, consulting global companies that are doing a lot of research, you find that in the top 10 or 20 most important skills to remain relevant going forward, a lot of them are human skills, things that we are, that we're born with, you know, curiosity, creativity, empathy, and, and whatnot. What, how do you think we should be thinking about reskilling and upskilling the workforce going forward? How do you think workplaces should be thinking about this? Look, I'm really glad you asked about uh, what were previously known as soft skills, right? And I think, I think what we created as an HR function by calling them soft skills is that we created a perception that they are less important or mm. they're more fluffy or they are <laughs> more difficult to measure and therefore to improve, right? So I think what, what the last years have shown is that yes, indeed, uh, the demand for the new tech digital skills is on the rise and we cannot obviously uh, ignore that trend. As you said, a lot of ink has been spilled around um, the, um, uh, the, the arrival of uh, AI, automation and how everybody needs to get up to, up to scratch in terms of digital skills. However, as you said, um, there's an increased importance of um, the power skills, yeah, the ability to uh, learn a new concept or apply a new skill fast, uh, your creativity, 
uh, your able your ability to interact with others to influence by not leading directly and and the whole plethora of, of of let's say previously known as soft skills that it's kind of super boosting this digital transformation right and again i'm personally excited that they've come back on the uh, on the agenda and that companies realize that yes you need to double down on investment on digital skills but do not ignore the importance of this kind of more human skills and i think the pandemic only um, demonstrated that look uh, look at the life of a human resource professional in the last uh, 18 or so months right the amount of empathy, listening, uh, focus on well-being and mental health that we had to kind of, um, you know, we stretched, uh, we stretch ourselves in, the, in this space and so did line managers, right? So again, the importance of, of key, key skills, human skills has, has come to life again. And in the context of learning, I think I mentioned, I mentioned learning agility. Back in the times when I was with GE many, many years ago, that was a way that uh, in the talent space of G, we were assessing uh, high potentials. We're saying, look, the ones that will go further and will grow one or two levels up in terms of their career, that there are those who have the highest learning agility quotient, right? And how relevant is that today, right? It's it's no longer just about, you know, demonstrate to me an ability of lar building larger teams. It's demonstrate to me that you are someone who's highly adaptable, that has a formula of, of learning new things, being in new context and adjusting and, and thriving really fast. So that's, uh, again, that's a trend that, uh, you know, I'm personally very excited about. It's really important that that's come top of mind to the HR professional, in addition to the everlasting challenge of how we're transforming the workforce to be, you know, more digital. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you this. Um, th there are things that, I feel humans only value as in how much urgency they have in themselves, right? Otherwise, we're like, you know, we can, I can do that tomorrow. We have been dragging the, the management mindset of the industrial era for a long time. And part of that means that we, like you said before, we value a lot hard technical skills rather than human skills. So for a, for, for, for a company that, or an organization that has limited amount of resources, limited amount of time in a world that is so chaotic with, where there's so much information, how do you create the case to, for that company to say, I need to invest some money in teaching my people how to be empathetic, how to communicate better, how to listen better, and not only on the digital skills, which we know are hard, important skills, but they won't go too far if we don't have those human skills. So how do we create that case when sometimes there doesn't seem to be that there, you know, that much sense of urgency, if we can, if we can call it that way, on the human side of the skills? I think a lot comes from uh, our ability as a function to be, get better at measuring impact. Right. And I think, you know, back in my days when I learned Six Sigma, there is a theory in Six Sigma that what you don't measure the, the you can't improve. I think to to raise this topic in top of mind of the you know the CX agenda, you know the the C executives of the business is to so put some numbers around that. They will get you. They will understand the numbers. And I think let let me pause around um, these numbers around. You know why is it a smart investment to invest in upskilling your line managers, right? To be getting better at leading with empathy, right? At servant leadership. 
active listening. Uh, I think there's a lot of articles and theories a couple of years ago, including in HBR, that you know, are are we is technology not making the line managers line redundant? Yeah. And I think I'm completely against that, right? Because I think the line managers are at the core of the company, right? And they are the ones that translate strategy into action and and uh, and enable the teams to be you know doing a better job every day. Um, and I think. You know, if, if I look at the role of HR and the technology to unleash the power of line managers, um, you know, that, that's a, there's a big space that we should work into. And why am, I, why am I talking about line managers? So I think it was Jack Ma, who was the co-founder of the Alibaba group in China, who said recently, think that everything, uh, I'll kind of probably misquoting him, but you'll get yeah. the jest. Everything we teach should be different from machines. If we do not ch- change the way we teach, 30 years from now, we'll all be in trouble. And I think he's referring not just to education in the broader sense, but his point on learning, not knowledge, will power organizations in the future. And the central champion of learning should be the line manager, right? And I think, again, as, as you said, it's widely accepted that it's cheaper to build and to buy and to extend existing employee skills than recruit. And yet, when it comes to this critical reskilling and upskilling, we're lagging behind. You know, we've spent... Yeah billions in learning, uh, specifically around online learning, around all yeah. sorts of interventions, but of the 240 billion spent in, you know, in corporate last year, it's probably a very small fraction has been spent on upskilling line managers, yeah. right? So that's, I think, an opportunity missed. We need to kind of pause and think, you know, how much are we supporting line managers who play such a crucial role in this, you know, industrial revolution 0.0 that is a, actually a, a human skills revolution. Yeah. Right, so that that would be something that would probably be um, high on the agenda of LND practitioners and HR people uh, broader to to rethink our investment in uh, in our line managers. Absolutely, you know, there in, in the learning space, there are so many things not only changing in learning but things around learning that are transforming or disrupting the way uh, learning works. You know, traditionally the way we sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, went, went by in life was, you know, you, 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 you go to school, you work for, you know, for 40 years, and then you retire. Now it's a mix of, you know, you go to school, you work, you take a sabbatical, you go back to school and, and whatnot. Uh, but in that sort of chain of, you know, go to school, work and retire, the, the idea was, uh, you know, you, you you go to school, you learn, or the traditional way of learning when you're working is you go to a course, um, you know, you take an online program, like you said before, or you take a, you know, master's or a PhD. But now things are changing so fast uh, around us that it seems that those old strategies, of course, are inadequate now. So, so let me ask you this, Catalina, what do you think are the foundations or the fundamentals of a 21st century learning strategy for organizations? Well, I think you, you unpacked a trend that, you know, in our 100-year life, which I think Professor Linda Gretton wrote a brilliant book around that, we will have to reinvent ourselves and re- unlearn, relearn, and start new careers and, uh, and be cool about that, right? And yeah. I think our generation, a generation of our parents would only, you know, will we'll learn one skill, one set of skills, and we'll have a linear career all our life. So obviously we know that that's not going to be the case anymore. So I think the threat, the red, the fear rouge, the threat in, in our careers will be continuous learning and, and training that muscle of learning a new skill 
uh, all the time because sometimes because we'll have to as some of our roles will be redundant um, sometimes because we are passionate you know you're driven by a new interest a new intellectual interest in a different area uh, obviously it helps you know all the theory of neuroscience uh, it helps when you either have a threat right or when you have a passion you know uh, for something it you know you learn much much faster, much better if one of these two cases applies, right? So I think I think that's something that we, as again, as a profession, will need to uh, double up on. Do we really know the science of learning? Do you know how to enable people to learn faster, to acquire new skills at pace? Um, so I think the especially the L&D profession will go back to basis in the neuroscience, the science of learning and enable people because some some of us learn easier than others. Right. I'm, I'm a linguist by training and I love learning new languages. Well, my my children, I see they don't have that, you know, dexterity in learning languages in the same way I did. Right. So one size doesn't fit all. Everybody's, you know, every human is different. And I think it's up to our profession, again, to go back at the core and enable people to to learn how to learn yeah, there's I, a lot of great resources out there uh you know i don't want to do name dropping but barbara yeah. oakley is one of the gurus in this space you know the the science of learning how to learn yeah i and, and i love that and i love the fact that you are referring to a a, a, a personalized approach uh, which can be done now with technology of course um but at the same time you are training the the foundational skill of all the skills here, which is learning how to learn. Um, that, that, that can be, of course, uh, that's, that depends on how everybody wants to learn. And, and at the same time, it makes me think about how important it is uh, to architect uh, an organizational culture that allows that to happen naturally. Because one thing that I, that I get really wary of uh, when I look at some organizations is that they want to formalize all the learning processes, meaning, you know, you only learn when you go to a program or, you know, the mentoring has to be formal or the coaching has to be formal instead of providing more natural, human, organic, informal avenues for people to learn. Yeah, and one, one way, one more personalized way of, of enabling that is, is coaching, right? Yeah. I think often, uh, again, as you said, uh, organizations spend a lot of money in enabling access to great content or doing all sorts of formal programs or organizing fancy boot camps. And ultimately it's down to coaching because, you know, if you have a great coach, whether it's your line manager or someone else, they will make sure that the learning is not just happening, but it's sticky and it's yeah. being applied uh, and yes, again, we are very busy people. We yeah. have lots of stuff going on, you know, lots of deadlines and deliveries. So how much time we actually uh, spend in organizations in actually coaching others, right? And uh, I think that's that's probably the clue. You know, when we talk about learning organizations, for me, learn, a learning organization is an organization that where coaching is front and central. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Catalina, as we wrap up our conversation, I want to ask you one one last question. Uh, in rethinking a learning strategy adapted to this chaotic, volatile, fast-moving, everyday disrupted kind of world, if there was one place, you know, like a step number one, that those organizations that are thinking about redesigning their learning models uh, can take, what would that first step be? Where, where can they start? I mentioned um, the need of the L&D and obviously the broader HR function is to be 
much more data driven. So before you jump into, you know, acquiring a the most fancy new LXP or the best content uh, platform, whatever, think up, think with the end of mind, think what business problems you are trying to solve, uh, look at your data. Um, and then start thinking about, you know, is it maybe a large reskilling program, you know, that makes sense? Because look, we have, like in the case of my previous employer, we have many stores and call centers, people that will have to re retrain and they've got great raw technical talent. So why not invest in them and retrain them to become DevOps? Or is it a culture that we need to shift, right? So do we have to in invest in upskilling our line managers to drive this coaching and learning culture? So again, use data, uh, use obviously, uh, you know, listen to your stakeholders yeah. and try to see what problem you're trying to solve again before you jump into designing this fantastic strategy where you're spending lots of money. Uh, and, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of like that going on in the, uh, in the L&D world right now, uh, going after the latest thing that shines and the yeah. latest technology or the latest platform. So again, I would I would encourage people to start with with the end in mind and oh, and doing much more uh, digging in terms of data and listening. Lo love that I absolutely love that. Instead of getting uh, falling in love with the shiny stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, making sure that what we're doing it's 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 geared um, or focused on the right thing. So Catalina, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Fascinating conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Enrique. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.